0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org.
1: I want to share with you today about Palm Sunday. And it was interesting that Bob opened up the question and he stated perspectives. So as soon as you said that, Bob, I thought, hmm, my title of my message is Palm Sunday Perspectives. So God has a funny way of... Connecting things together, And we didn't talk before the service, so uh, he was just flowing with what God had spoken to him. But I do want to share some things about perspectives, and uh, specifically about pers- perspectives on Palm Sunday. But I, would, I do want to start with something a little funny here. Let's look at the picture, the first picture that I have up here. You guys recognize, a, you ever seen a donkey like that? I, I, I have seen a few donkeys like that, actually. And uh, they're, they're funny, and, uh, but here's a few uh, perspectives or some facts about donkeys. Donkeys are stubborn. When a situation feels unsafe, they will dig their heels in the ground and won't move. Some would say, I know a human like that, but anyhow, <laughs> don't ask my wife, but anyhow. Uh, Another uh, interesting fact about donkeys is the placement of a donkey's eyes in its head enables it to see all four of its feet at the same time. Pretty impressive, right? Did you know that donkeys' long ears are kind of like an air conditioner system for them that helps them keep cool the way that the blood vessels are in the skin? It helps them keep cool. And I think my wife says she wished she would have donkey ears because then she could keep cool. She keeps dealing with the hot flashes. So, if you see her over there waving herself, uh, just never mind her. She's just having a hot flash. Uh, donkeys' sense of hearing are so well developed that they can hear the call of another donkey from miles away. Hmm, pretty impressive. And they're also mobile. They can turn. Have you ever seen a donkey's ears just go like, you know, turn and and it's listening for somebody miles away. Uh, This may not surprise some of you, but a male donkey is named a Jack. A female donkey is called a Jenny. Didn't know that myself. I looked that up. Maybe some of those of you who are farmers who've dealt with animals probably know this. Jack and Jenny. Yeah. New song, Jack and Jenny, you know. So um, here's, here's a funny, funny finding. I, I, it was a fact that was written in the London Times uh, years ago. I don't know if this is true or not, but it was an interesting fact that said, more people are killed by donkeys than are by in airplane crashes a year. I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying that's, that's what I heard. The London Times reported it, so take it or leave it for what it's worth. But interesting donkey facts, right? So, we're here talking about Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem of Jesus. It's also known as the beginning of Passion Week, the week where Jesus' passion would lead Him to the cross. And today we're going to be looking at this from the Gospel of John. And it's interesting in the Gospel of John chapter 12 that already in in chapter 12 we already are transitioning into the last week of Jesus' life. The last week of Jesus' life and how this Gospel in John, I mean, chapter 1 through 10 were before this, but chapter 12 and on are about the last days of Jesus' life. We're changing focus. Jesus is changing His, His final life, His final moments on the earth, and it's, it's coming to this, this great procession, this triumphal entry that He's coming into today. Now, there's some interesting facts I want to bring to your attention today, is two-thirds of the Gospel of Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew, two-thirds of Matthew cover the Passion Week, the last week of Jesus' life. Three-fifths of Luke cover the final week of Jesus' life. One third of the Gospel of Mark covers the final week of Jesus' life. And in the book of John, the Gospel of John, half of the Gospel of John covers the final week of Jesus' life. Now, for those of you, the the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four uh, beginning Bible books in the New Testament Are the Gospels. Three of those, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are are the Synoptic Gospels, or they are very similar, but John has a different story to tell. He does it in different ways. And we can see that this this emphasis that the Gospel writers put on this final week of Jesus' life really shows the importance level of what Jesus is getting ready to go through on this Passion Week. So, in the Gospels, there are a total of 89 chapters. Let me put, let me put it like this. There are 89 chapters in the, in the Gospels total, or to, total Gospels chapters. Four of those Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, represent the first 30 years of Jesus' life. 85, the, the other 85, cover the three, last three and a half years of His life, and 29 of those cover the final week It's a pretty important week. We're going to read from the book of John, chapter 12, verse 12. Starting verse 12, it says, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they, had, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees, and went out and met Him, and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel." Then Jesus, when He had found a young, young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, "'Fear not, daughter of Zion! Behold, your King is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt.' His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about Him, and that he had done these things to him. Therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him." Perspectives. I want to look at some perspectives today. And, and I, how many of you have ever seen those pictures that you have that are out there sometimes where somebody's holding the tower, Leaning Tower of Pisa? You ever seen those pictures where there's, so it looks like they're holding it, but we know they're not, right? Or somebody's holding the, the, the Eiffel Tower. Well, I found a picture that I want to put up on the screen that's kind of an interesting one. And it's called, A Man That Steals the Sun. Now, I know you probably can't see it if you're watching from the video as well, but uh, there's a man who's holding the sun from a picture, and it's all about perspective. Go ahead and show the next one now. Now, he's working his way and putting it in the back of his trunk of his SUV or whatever. There was another one that I actually saw, and he's, he's jumping up and down like he's got it. You know, I've got the sun now, finally. And it's all about a matter of perspective. And as we're looking at this triumphal entry, this Palm Sunday, we need to look at this from perspective. I mean, I think everyone here has heard the story of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But the challenge for us today is to look at it from a different perspective. Because how we perceive something determines how we will receive something. And so, today I want to challenge us to look at this from a new perspective. Open up our eyes, Lord, and let us see it from a different place, and apply it to our lives. Now, a few more facts here. The Jewish calendar on this day was called the the 10th day of Nisan, not the automobile. It's the Jewish calendar. And that's the day that Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, is the 10th day of Nisan. The 10th day of Nisan would be the day that the Jewish people would select their lamb for the coming day, the 14th day of Nisan, where they would actually sacrifice the lamb. Isn't it interesting that Jesus on the 14th day, or the 10th day, is actually entering to Jerusalem, and He is what? The Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And so, the challenge for us today is to internalize this, to put this into perspective, to personalize it because there's a few things that I want to bring out today that I believe that God is saying to us in this context of Scripture. The first one that I want to cover today is is that Jesus conquers religion. Can you hear me? Jesus conquers religion. Why is this so important? It's very important to us. John chapter 12, verse 12, I'll read it again. It says, "...the next day a great multitude that had came to the feast, when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of palm trees, went out before him and met him and cried out, Hosanna, which means save now, deliver now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus was surrounded by people. Can you picture the scene? Can you put that in your perspective? Here is Jesus coming in on a donkey, into this town, and they're praising him with the highest of praises. And here he is, Hosanna, and they're saying, Deliver us now. And sometimes we think Hosanna means worship God in the highest, and you know, we, we sing a lot of songs and there's a lot of context, but that word actually means save us now. There was a spiritual thing that they were asking because they had been in this tradition. Of religion for so long. We'll get into this in just a minute. Save now, Hosanna, deliver us now. And so we see right from the beginning that these same people that are crying out, Hosanna, a few days later are the same ones crying out, Crucify Him.
0: See, the religious
1: people always were offended by Jesus. Always. They, they didn't like every, anything He's ever said. Anything they, He did was always in direct contradiction with their rules and traditions. They were stuck on one perspective. He was surrounded by non-religious people. That's why Jesus hung with the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes. Why? Because He did not offend them. He did not come into them and look at them and judge them in a negative way. But the religious people did. How many of you ever been judged by religious people? And here's a tougher question: How many of you ever judged as a religious person? Uh, Not many hands going up on that one, but that's okay. We can we can we can understand. And so Jesus, when we look at Jesus, he draws to people where they are. It's one thing I personally love about Jesus myself is that he doesn't look at me and my failures. He doesn't look at me and my, my difficulties and struggles. He looks at me at who I can become. You know, your test that you go through is the testimony that you have. No matter how bad of a testimony or how, how, how you feel like it's so bad, it's your testimony. God took you from here and he brought you to here. That's a testimony. And so we see that we're in this this time. Jesus is entering into this the, the, the Jerusalem on the on the donkey, and it's this, this uh, place where the, the religious people have had this this celebration going on years after years. And it's almost came to a place of tradition. There were three feasts that the Jewish people had to go to to Jerusalem for every year. There was the Pentecost. And there was tabernacle, and there was a Passover. And this was the Passover feast. Now, the Passover, as we know, is a celebration that was instituted under Moses. And it was the acknowledgement that God had saved them from ten plagues. And they were saved and brought out of those plagues. And you remember the story. Uh, they put the blood over the lentils of the sacrificed lamb. And because of that, the plagues did not touch them. And here Jesus is coming in on Passion Week getting ready to make the greatest sacrifice of all so that we can take His blood and apply it to our lives. But things have become stagnant in this time, this religious time. It had become very stagnant, very routine. Listen, it had been 1,500 years Since Moses instituted that tradition. Can you imagine? 1,500 years. And so things have become very stagnant, very very much the same. And year after year they would do the same thing. In fact if you really get into the details they actually camped in the same camps every year. And so here's Jesus, this new thing entering into this time and this season. He's, he's bringing in something new. They'd heard about him because, hey, he just rose Lazarus from the, from the dead. Who is this man? Who is this man who's done all these things? Some were saying he was a prophet. Some were saying he was, a, he was just a, a, a good teacher. And so here's Jesus entering in on a donkey, and he begins to stir up this crowd. And they're hungry for something new. How many of you can be, relate to that? Hungry for something new. Hungry for something more than just, you know, I, I've been to going to church for hundreds of years or, or several years or th- weeks, months, years. And, and just I want to get more out of it. He begins to shake things up. And it, even after this, we don't, I won't get into today, but he goes into the temple and he throws out the money changers. He said, hey... This ain't the way it should be. He said, my place, my my house, my father's house would be known as a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. So he begins to attack the religious institution of the day. And they begin to ask, who is this man? And the purpose of this is because Jesus is more attractive than religion. Did you know that? Jesus is more attractive than religion. You know, I don't know how many of you times, if you've talked to somebody, but, but when you ask somebody, it says, you know, do you, do you go to church? Not everybody likes church. Let's just be honest. Not everybody likes to go to church. But if you ask them, do you like Jesus? Do you love Jesus? They'll say, yeah, I'll, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. I may not want to go to church all the time, but I love Jesus. Why? Because Jesus cuts through religion. He cuts through the routine. And he makes what this belief is real. He puts the exclamation mark in being a
0: Christian. He connects with us.
1: He accepts us. I love that about Jesus. I love that about him, man. I I I can't even think of anything better because I know that no matter what I've done, he accepts me. He loves me. You know, I've experienced times of going through the motions in my Christian walk. I've been saved for several years. I was about 16. And there are it's so easy to get into a routine in our Christian life. It's so easy. I almost don't blame the Pharisees and the Sadducees because I can understand how, you know, it would be so easy to get caught up into this. I mean, they, remember, they, they would remember the first five books of the Bible by heart. They would fast and pray nine hours a day. I mean, they were doing the right things. You know, if you think about it, we think in our minds, man, if I just make the sacrifice, if I do the right things, if I, if I act the right way. But yet Jesus comes on the scene and they missed the whole point. Because Jesus brings it back to it's a relationship, not an action. It's a relationship. Jesus comes back on the scene and He wants to reestablish the relationship with God. You remember the, uh, the woman at the well? And how the Pharisees were so hard against her. You know, and even his own disciples, Jesus, they would say, how are you even talking to this woman? How are you even touching her?
0: Isn't she dirty? Jesus
1: said, no, it's not about that. It's not about being dirty. It's about being touched by him. That's what true relationship does. And that's what Palm Sunday is all about. Him coming in as a man riding in on a donkey, a lowly, humble donkey. And He's riding in to change the world that day. And you know what He's waiting on? He's waiting on us to realize that. He's waiting on you and me to take our rightful place in that relationship with Him. See, religion focuses on the outside But relationship and Jesus focuses on the inside. Where's your heart? What's your heart saying to you today? What's God saying to you in your heart? You know, what we need is we need more Jesus and less religion is really what we need, right? If we could just get there, if we could say more Jesus, less religion, we would actually get into a place where we could actually start hearing God and seeing Him work in our lives. But when we are stuck in religion or routine in our lives, then what happens is our religion becomes more important than our relationship with God. That's what happened to the Pharisees. It was more important that they kept their rules, that they kept their laws. And that's why Jesus came and said he, they said he, he went to break all the rules in the old traditions. And having nailed them to the cross He said, uh, there's a song that I like. I, I've, it's an older, older song that I really enjoy That uh, was, It's called From the Inside Out. And I just want to read a couple of the lyrics to you. It says, A thousand times I've failed, still your mercy remains. And should I stumble again, still I'm caught in your grace. Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending, your glory goes beyond all fame. My heart and my soul, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out. Let justice and praise become my embrace to love you from the inside out. Man, that's the heart of God. Coming back to the place where we live from the inside out. Religion is always focused on the outside. How do you look? How do you appear? Who, who will you offend today? What will people think? How many of you ever said that, what will people think? What will my friends think? What will my spouse think? What will my, what will God think? I know what God will think. Hey, you shouldn't have done it, but I love you. I'm here to pick you back up. I'm here to take your hand as you're in the water and I'm gonna pull you up out of the water. That's what God says. And so we see this story unfolding, and Jesus always is in this battle of ideologies with the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And there's a story, you don't have to turn there, but in in Mark chapter 7, there's a story, and I'll just just quote it to you and and share it with you. But just as an example, Jesus is talking, or the disciples disciples had been eating, and they didn't wash their hands in a ceremonial way. You remember the story? And they came to, the, the, the Pharisees come to, to Jesus and they say, hey, you need to tell your disciples they need to do it right, basically. They, they, they shouldn't be doing this. And here's what Jesus said He goes, they, they asked him, they said, why, this is what the or Pharisees said to him, why do you disciple, they're your disciples, not walk according to the tradition of the elders. But they eat bread with unwashed hands. And here's what Jesus said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy to you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching the doctrines and the commandments of men. In the last verse here, he says, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. You know what the challenge of Palm Sunday is? Challenge my tradition, God. I don't want to walk in anything that's blocking, blocking you because religion is man's way to God. Relationship is God's way to man. I want to talk a little bit about religion just for a couple more minutes here. The differences between religion and Jesus. Religion is more concerned with the outside, but Jesus is more concerned with what? Inside. He was always concerned about the heart. He said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Religion is about rules. Rules. Regulations, the law. But Jesus is about relationship. How can we get closer to Him? Jesus comes in. He says, come as you are. I'll clean you up.
0: I'll fix you. How many of you need a little
1: fixing? I need a little fixing. I like it when somebody said one time, they said, you know what, we, we, I don't need no crutch to get to heaven. And you know what the truth is? We need a stretcher because Jesus is the only way we're going to get to heaven. Religion creates barriers. And Jesus destroys barriers. You know, back in that time and even into this day, to this, to this same day today, there are only so many places you can go in the temple if you're not a true Jewish believer. The Gentiles were in the outer courts. The the, uh, women would go a little further. The Jewish women and the, the, the Jewish men could go a little further. And then the priests could go a little further. And there were only some priests who could go all the way in. So it's all about religion and segregation. But Jesus comes in and He's destroying the barriers. He's ripping the veil and tearing it down so that way there's no way i have to go through a priest anymore or a person i can go directly to jesus isn't that good religion creates walls but jesus breaks the barriers religion is man's way to god and jesus is the way the truth and the life there is no other way but him I like it the way Paul puts it in Colossians 2, verse 15. He says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, He, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them in it. Come on, that's exciting. Because of what Jesus did, because He paved the way with the palm branches that He walked on, because He did what He did, we can offer up in that same power that he walked in. That same freedom. And this is what drove the religious people nuts. I mean, they were mad all the time because Jesus is challenging them every time they turned around. And ultimately, this is what would get Jesus killed on the cross. But he had a bigger plan. He had another plan. Because he said it wasn't finished. It's not finished. On this cross, I'm going to continue it on, and I'm going to complete the work that I started. And that's what he did. He finished it on the cross, and he delivered us from this bondage. And so, Hosanna, as they were singing, means save us and deliver us now. Just say that with me. Hosanna. Hosanna. It means deliver me The second thing I want to talk about is Scripture is our authority. This is something we can glean from a perspective on Palm Sunday. Scripture is our authority. John chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Then Jesus, when He had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. This is important. Because everybody has an opinion, but the scripture is the truth. Scripture trumps opinion. You guys remember the story of Jesus asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? And what? Everybody had an opinion. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say a prophet, a teacher. But what happened whenever Peter answered? It's not about what men say Jesus is or who he is. It's about who we know he is. And Jesus asked Peter, and Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That makes a difference. Who is Jesus is one of the most important questions that you can ever ask yourself. It's not about what I think Jesus who I think Jesus is. It's not about what you think Jesus is. It's what God has shown you who Jesus is. So who is He today? We see that in Zechariah chapter nine, verse 9, this is a quote from direct quote from John 12: 14 and 15. It says, that, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming on a donkey." Now let me ask you a question. Why a donkey? Why, uh, why a donkey? I mean, Jesus could have probably been carried in on a chariot, or he could have been brought in on a horse. Why a donkey? Well, first of all, it was to fulfill Scripture. Scripture is our authority. Jesus was fulfilling prophetic Scripture in the Old Testament that He would be riding on a donkey. Well, there's a couple reasons that we can look at this. First of all, kings rode on donkeys during a symbol of peace. Whenever a king rode in on a donkey, that means he was symbolizing peace to the people. Jesus was the Prince of Peace. As John John the Baptist stated He was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now when a king comes in on a horse it's to wage war. Now how many of you know in Revelations Jesus comes back as a different person? He's not a king of peace anymore. He's the man of war. And He's riding on a white horse, the Bible says in Revelations. So, he's coming back to fight a battle. But in this instance, on Palm Sunday, he's coming in as a king of peace. Now, in John we see, John tells a story, and he tells what happened, and the the, the acts of what happened. But in Luke, I want to I go to Luke, because in Luke 19, verse 41, Jesus actually tells how He felt about this situation. And He's going into Jerusalem, and He says in verse 41, He says, Now as He drew near, He saw the city, and He wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now, you're, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you one stone upon another, because you did not know the day of your visitation. Now you know that that actual prophecy happened in Israel. They were destroyed. All their walls were destroyed. And this actually came to pass. But the more important question is, is do we recognize the day of our visitation? I know that there have been many people sharing over the last few weeks and months, and, and uh, there's about something that's happening, something that's churning. And there is a day of visitation that's coming, and even here today for all of us. And it's a day that we can go deeper in our relationship with God. How, you know what, how deep you can go in God? It's unlimited. You can go as
0: deep as you want to go in God. The last thing I want to look at is, is
1: this, is Jesus, the demonstration of his passion. And I want to ask this question to start this out. What does it mean to follow Jesus? You know, early in Jesus' ministry, when he met the disciples, before they became disciples, what he would say? He would say, Follow me. He would just look at them and say, Follow me. And what would they say? Okay. You know, no questions asked. You know, not that, no, I need to take care of this, I need to take care of that. No. Okay, I'm just leaving it all and I'm following you. There is a peace principle here that we need to understand that God is asking us to follow Him. I'm not saying leave your family. I'm not saying leave your husband, leave your wife. Please don't do that. Rick will really be mad at me if you do that. And, and you said Matt said so. That will not be good. So Rick, please, I know you'll listen to this later, but that's not what I said. I'm on tape. Please don't, don't take that. But there is a principle of going and pushing into Jesus in our relationship like we never have before. That we need to move into that place with Him. See, He demonstrated His love for us when He enters Jerusalem on this donkey. And the passion that He was under would drive Him to make sacrifices in His life that were beyond anything that a normal man could take.
0: Because he was God in man.
1: So, he who hasn't here, let him hear, and hear the invitation that's before us today. Will you follow me? Will you follow Jesus? Will you love Jesus? And will you run after Jesus? Hebrews chapter 12, says it like this. Verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, because of Jesus we can walk into this place of peace in our life. Because of Jesus, we can find freedom in our lives. Because of Jesus, we have a rightful way to enter in to our heavenly place with Jesus. Now, I know we don't always do this, but I want I to invite you today. Let's just stand up, and, and I want to invite you, and if you're watching online, that's fine. I want to invite you to accept Jesus into your heart. Maybe you've never done it before. Maybe you've, maybe you, maybe you've done it in the past and you just never have, have gotten back to that place where you want to be. But maybe there's a deeper place that God wants to take you today. Maybe it's a place of a
0: deeper relationship with Christ. He's here for you today.
1: He wants to love you. He wants to accept you. And he wants you to come and be a partaker of his kingdom for eternity. Just say that word, for eternity. This life is but a vapor. But eternity goes on and on forever. Years ago, I heard a story that Uh, uh, what is eternity like? And it's it's like a bird that takes a piece of sand and drops it into the ocean. And he goes back and he gets another pebble of sand and he drops it in the ocean. And he keeps doing that and doing that until the ocean is completely full. And it said, when that happens,
0: eternity has just begun.
1: So just pray with me. Father God, we just ask you, Lord, to come into our hearts. We open up our hearts to receive you in new ways today.
0: Lord, speak to us now. Lord, we just
1: repent for our sins. We ask you to forgive us, Lord. We ask you to just give us the restoration in our hearts that we need. Come in, Lord. Just say that. Say, come in, Lord. Be in my heart. Heal me from the inside out. And we receive you into our hearts today. In Jesus' name.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.